Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films viewers cannot get enough of. Today I'm joined via satellite, via phone, via FaceTime audio by pop culture writer and author of the new book, The Way We Became the Brady Bunch. It's hard to say that without being like lyrical about it. The Way We Became the Brady Bunch, Kim Potts. <laughs> Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Bobby. I'm good. It's so good to talk to you. I know. It's great to talk to you, too. You're you're dealing okay during this quarantine? Netflix is a big part of that, of course. Um, but yes, we, we do have no lack of great things to watch and yes. great things to read um, and great people to talk to. So I think if we remember those things, we'll get through this even if we are still in our apartments in July. In July um, or August or I'm, September, October. Oh, <laughs> Okay, we can only take that joke so far. Thank yeah. God there are so much there's so much good TV to watch and so many good books to read. Um and podcasts yeah. to listen to, like you said. Podcasts to listen to, so many great ones. Yeah. So I think that's a great way of introducing your book, uh The Way We All Became the Brady Bunch, how the canceled sitcom became the beloved pop culture icon. We are still talking about today. We are still talking about today. Thanks in part <laughs> to this book and also the Property Brothers. <laughs> yes. And HGTV, who brought that house back. Oh, that was such a great series. So I, uh, can you tell me about your history with the show? Um, when you first started watching it, when the idea for the book kind of came to you, what is Kim's relationship with the Brady Bunch? <laughs> I mean, I watched it like as a young kid in the uh, late 70s, early 80s syndication airings. And uh, then when it, it was on TBS and it was on TV land and all those things and watched it with my cousins and watched it with friends in college later on. Um, so it was always, I always liked the show. Um, but, but it really came about as a book idea for me when I had noticed that the 50th anniversary of the show was coming up, which happened last fall. And um, I started just kind of you go, that's interesting. Can't, you know, 50 years, that's kind of amazing that it's still, you know, in the, in the pop cult, in the popular culture. But then I started kind of digging a little deeper and realized just how much it's continued to be a part of our popular culture. It's had several spinoff series and the big screen movie in the nineties. And then, I mean, it's been, there've been books, the cast members have written books. It's been a weird Al song parody. I mean, just every area of pop culture that you can think of both the Simpsons and family guy have spoofed it or referenced it dozens of times in episodes. It really, you know, really has just gone swept across every area of pop culture. And then of course, as you mentioned, the HGTV series, but it also really has a, a, a genuine place in TV and pop culture history. Not that many shows can say they're still that popular 50 years later and, and people still love the, that, that cast and the characters and they're still quoting my nose, my nose, my nose and <laughs> uh, pork chops and applesauce and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, so I really felt like it deserved a, a book length examination of why it's been so popular or why it continues to be what it means to people and, and just kind of a, you know, a chronicle of, of all the ways that it does continue in pop culture. Yeah, and it's one of those artifacts that remains really influential and, and I don't know, persistent, despite the fact that I'm sure a lot of the people who know about it have not seen an episode of it. Like, it just persists in culture without the burden of having to watch it also. It's so true. It's sort true. of fascinating. 
Well, like you said, with the just saying the title of the book, you want to sing it because you yeah. think of that theme song. And there are people who know the theme song, but as you said, have never seen an episode of the mm -hmm. show. Um, I think there were people probably who watched the HGTV renovation series of the house and didn't necessarily, you know, hadn't necessarily seen an episode of the show. Um, so yeah, it really is that pervasive and 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 still that influential. Of course, I, I don't know any details, but the what HGTV did release was that the ratings for that show were sort of through the roof. And it stands to reason if, if that many people watched it, some people have not watched the Brady Bunch before, you know? Right, exactly. It yeah, can't it all be Brady Bunch viewers. <laughs> right, that's true. I mean, I think there were probably a lot of Property Brothers fans mm -hmm. and they wanted to see, you know, what were those brothers getting up to now? Um, <laughs> but and it was a fun show to watch just from that aspect of it, you know, mm -hmm. completely remodeling this house to make it look like, a TV house is just kind of a fun idea. And you kind of think about some other shows that they could do that with like the happy news yeah. house or, you know, a ton of other houses they could do that with. But um, yeah, it was a really fun show. And I think what the other thing that was really nice for the cast of the Brady Bunch and, and for fans, especially longtime fans, that it really did kind of bring uh, to the fore how, how much affection people really do have for the show. And, you know, it's kind of dismissed sometimes as this um, very silly little family sitcom from the mm -hmm. you know late 60s, early 70s. But it does still mean a lot to a lot of people. And that's sweet. And it's sweet that, you know, um, that the, they had this this uh, chance to catch up with the cast and see what they still, you know, what they look like now and, and if they get along and all those things that, that you got a little glimpse at on the show. Um, it was kind of fun to do that, mm -hmm. I think, for, for fans especially. Yeah. Everyone who's interested in TV or I guess specifically TV history should definitely go out, buy your book, read it. But I, I want to focus on a couple chapters right now because we have a lot of other stuff to get to. But yes. um, let's start at the beginning. Um, you, and again, you hear the dun, 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 whenever I say that. <laughs> But the Perfect. first chapter is called Hunch uh, About the Bunch. And in it, it's literally the opening paragraph of the book. You describe how Sherwood Schwartz, the creator, got the idea for the show in 1966 because he read an article about how 29% of all marriages include a, a child from a previous marriage. And it mm -hmm. made me think about the headlines dominating today's papers. Um, yes. And do you think there our current cultural landscape is going to be just because there's so much going on do you mm -hmm. think it's going to be a boon for tv creators kind of once the, the wheels of the of the of hollywood start fully churning again i do but i also think that um all of the new streaming or the existing streaming services and the new streaming services uh that are coming about in the next few months if if those launches are still going to happen on time mm -hmm. um I think that it's really shown that people have deep, deep affections for older shows. I mean, think on, on Netflix, I certainly go to The Office. I don't even know how many times I've seen each episode of The Office. I'm going to say at least six or seven each episode. <laughs> um, but I go to that whenever I, sometimes I'm eating lunch or, you know, I'm taking a quick break. I just want like something soothing. I just want to laugh. And I know exact scenes that will make me do that. I know exact, I just listened to your um, episode on Schitt's Creek, which I also mm -hmm. am, am obsessed I with. Love Schitt's Creek. And love Schitt's Creek. There is an episode that I love and it is my go-to feel-good episode, uh, the Olive Branch episode where David does 
he serenades. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, and I mm-hmm. love that scene so much, and I can just go to that, and it automatically soothes me. And I think that's um, this situation that we're in right now, I think, is definitely bringing that out, that that people go to TV. It is a soothing thing for a lot of people. Everybody has their favorites and their, you know, their specific scenes, their specific episodes that they love uh, in their favorite shows. So I think if anything, that's what's going to to kind of become even clearer from um, our quarantines right now. Um, I do think it's, yes, people are going to, uh, I, I hope that people, creative people have the time right now that they're thinking about <laughs> even more shows, even new shows. Although, yeah. again, it does not feel like there is a lack of new shows for us to watch right now. Exactly. And The Brady Bunch is streaming in its entirety right now on Hulu, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yes. there's an abundance of shows sort of that, that people are nostalgic for that you cannot revisit. Even though we think that all these things are so easily accessible, there are a lot of blind spots and black holes. And it's it, it says something that Brady Bunch is one of the ones that you can very easily watch if you want to. It's true. I mean, I think about a couple of shows from when I was a kid, the original One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. Um, Alice was a show that I loved when I was a little kid. And, you know, some of those things, yeah, there are still some blind spots there. Right. Um, I guess the the last thing I wanted to ask you about in in terms of of the Brady Bunch, this realization sort of happened during a very greater renovation when I was watching it, which you also mentioned in the book. But when you see the numbers in black and white, it sort of is shocking. And you said... Um, For 50 years, more than 75% of their lives, the Brady Bunch actors have been famous for being Greg, Marsha, Peter, Jan, Bobby, and Cindy Brady. That's just almost absurd to think about. And and especially on a very Brady renovation where you see them Mm -hmm. and they're all sort of fine. We have this um, idea in our heads that child stars are almost certainly going to be doomed to failure or doomed to tragedy. And here they were on a very Brady renovation participating and looking great and it's so bizarre that they have been children in our collective memories for 50 years i I guess i just hadn't really realized how old the show is (laughs) it's true i mean it is as you said when you see the numbers and you in 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 that context specifically and then you saw them on uh recently you know last fall Mm -hmm. um it was pretty mind blowing. And, uh, you know, and it's such a, they have all have a very complicated relationship with the show. Mm -hmm. They were very popular as kids. They were in the teen magazines on the covers of teen magazines. And they thought that when the show ended, they were going to go right into, you know, continuing their show business career. Mm -hmm. That didn't necessarily happen for most of them. Definitely not at the level they expected. Um, so, and, and then, for, for the next 50 years, um, you know, they had to live with this, whether they wanted to or not, but they weren't necessarily getting benefits from it. Uh, you know, for some of them, they decided to just abandon a showbiz career altogether at various points and, and had whole new careers and mm-hmm. were mostly very successful with them. Um, again, and that's, I for me, that's what made it very sweet to see kind of the outpouring of of love and appreciation that they got when the HGTV series aired. I think it was a surprise to a lot of them because, you know, they, again, the, the show has been dismissed a lot as being kind of this frivolous little sitcom family sitcom. And I, and it, it prevent, you know, they were typecast a lot and they couldn't always get other work. And so 
to to have that you know very complicated history with the show and then at this point in their lives <laughs> to to get such an outpouring of of uh, fan support and and love for the show i think it, they were touched you could see i think on the show at points they were very touched by the whole project yeah and it's and it must have been a nice coda for you as like the author of the book to like get this in a way happy ending that these kids are in a good place and they're still remembered fondly by people and they can still the Brady Bunch is still sort of alive and well in American hearts in a way. And I think that's absolutely true. I mean, they are just a huge slice of Americana, uh, of American pop culture, of American TV history. And it was, it was a great, a great way to kind of see that part of, of the anniversary celebrated. And, and they all now kind of have embraced so, social media and um, they're doing other projects with HGTV. And, and I think they're all, uh, it's kind of hush hush, but there's a Brady, a new Brady something <laughs> in the <laughs> works. No one can really, can really talk about what that might be yet, but um, I think there are discussions happening about it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, cool also i mean who doesn't love like a comeback story or or in right. their case a continuation story mm-hmm. um you know i think that's that in and of itself is such an american thing such an american story yeah it's really heartwarming but now i guess we're going to talk about the opposite of that <laughs> there is a way to transition into chatting about the pharmacist sort of gracefully from the Brady Bunch, because I feel like one of the hooks of the pharmacist is introducing the pharmacist Dan Schneider's family as a sort of happy Brady Bunch-like right. family, this all-American family. I guess they compare themselves to the Griswolds, but I don't think comparing themselves to the Bradys is, is all that um, ridiculous. But then you watch the whole thing disintegrate, and you see how these yes. perfect things are never really perfect, and how perfection can never last, and they are usually masking something a lot sadder. How did you find The Pharmacist? I did not watch it until you said that's what you wanted to watch. I watched, I think I saw it just, uh, maybe I had seen like a little preview story on it. And then I just saw it on and was on Netflix and I think for something else and saw it and did not intend to watch all of it, intended to just kind of check it out. And it was a Mm -hmm. Saturday and cut to me Saturday night and I've watched (laughs) the whole thing. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, the story yeah. of Netflix, right? Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of accidental. I, I had seen the story and knew that I was going to watch it at some point. But then when I was there on the site and saw it and uh, nothing, or maybe I was procrastinating something, but <laughs> whatever, I had the time to kind of delve into it. And I did and couldn't stop when that, that first episode absolutely hooks you and, and you know, you're, you're hooked for the whole series then. Yeah. And I had, I, I watched it truly blind, which feels very rare in this day and age. Mm. Um, I saw that it was four episodes and I said, okay, maybe I can finish it this morning. And I did, I finished it in one morning or one morning, the morning, mm-hmm. then an afternoon because it kept evolving and turning into something entirely different. I almost, yes. I almost, I almost want to tell people not to listen to this if they haven't watched the episode because the the surprises of it are and it feels weird to call you know human tragedy like surprising and twisty but it it really is and and just to see the story unfold is is really shocking because it begins as this story about a, a friendly neighborhood pharmacist who is trying to fi- solve the the murder of his son 
Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a story about addiction. And then it becomes a story about someone who's trying to address addiction. And then it becomes a larger story about, you know, widespread addiction and the opioid crisis and corporate corruption and just like evil corporations who are profiting off death and, you know, the nightmares of the American of the American people. What is your what is your existing relationship to true crime? Is this a genre you're already familiar with and something that you are predisposed to enjoy? Totally. And that I, that definitely factored into me watching it um, and getting hooked on it so quickly. I love true crime stories. Um, and and I, I especially always, I mean, there are a ton of series, ID and, and Oxygen Network do all of those different series. And I do watch, you know, a fair number of them. Um, but when it's a docu-series, a four-part <laughs> Netflix docu-series, I immediately assume it's going to be great. Yeah. And um the other you you mentioned like sh- should we maybe tell people don't listen to this until you've watched <laughs> it it's so funny because usually one of my first reactions when i'm watching anything true crime that's really that really draws you in i want to immediately start googling you know yeah. like the the behind the scenes the facts and uh, what have they changed maybe for you know the the docu series what have they changed from the actual story and and I also immediately, if there are characters that you really start to um, have affection for, you want to look up and see where are they now? Are they okay? And that absolutely happened with this one when Dan, Dan Schneider, the pharmacist in this small town near New Orleans, starts investigating the murder of his son, Mm -hmm. Danny Jr., and he starts putting himself in some very dangerous situations and people keep telling him that, that he's putting himself in dangerous situations and they're right. worried for him. I am, I said, okay, I'm not going to stop and Google cause I don't want to ruin. It had a great, um, uh, it had a great pattern going it. The tension was good. And so I didn't want to spoil anything for myself, but I needed to know if he was okay. I could, I was like, no, I, I know that I cannot, continue watching <laughs> until I know that he is alive that because as you said it you know it's very emotional you have very strong feelings for these people from the beginning and if yeah. I'm going to find out like that he's killed during this investigation I'm stopping right now so I did stop just I cheated a little bit just to find out that Dan Schneider is still alive and spoiler he is still today and um so then I was able to go on and finish watching the rest of it without without Googling anymore. It didn't even occur to me to Google. And I'm very much like a have the computer or the phone out while I'm watching something. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it never crossed my mind because for some reason, like the story seemed so, it seemed so new to me. And I was like, oh, this, I'm not even going to find anything. But of course I was going to find anything. This is such a bigger story than I, just because I didn't know about it doesn't mean the story wasn't huge somewhere else. But I found myself in that first episode, I couldn't read him. I was sort of mm-hmm. thinking, is this a good guy or is this a bad guy? Especially when Ooh. he says, I considered, I considered, I wanted to kill this person. You know, whenever he starts, you know, really yeah. considering taking the role of vigilante, you're like, uh-oh, what is this guy going to do? And, <laughs> right. and then you realize that he is sort of this saintly person. Yeah. They don't play all their cards initially, which I, I thought was so smart of them because it does, it takes a full episode and maybe an episode and a half and a half for you to realize that this guy is as good as you want him to be. 
you know. It's true. And then there is that big twist. And that, I have to say, I think that's one of the all-time, as you said, it's a very, you know, tragic story in many different places. So you don't want to say it's like the best twist ever, but Mm -hmm. it really is in a true crime docuseries where uh, you can find out the whole story if you just Google, you know, in one five-minute read, you could probably find out the whole story. It really was a great twist um, in that he had obviously a relationship with the person who turned out to be the killer. And I mean, it was almost kind of a father son kind of relationship he had with, um, with the young man who, who turned out to be the person who killed his son. And, um, that I didn't see that coming. No, me either. And I also didn't see the, the reveal of Dr. Cluggett, um, coming. And I, that was the one, the one and only time I actually gasped at the screen. And I'm not a big, I guess I'm an occasional gasper, but it's more when I'm, (laughs) when I'm laughing, but the the shock I felt, because there was no part of me assumed that she was going to appear on camera for this thing. And I, and I also thought that she was either in prison or she had taken her own life or had had died somehow. Like the, the way that they framed her or presented her was almost in past tense like it was it was like oh don't even expect to see this woman because she's not available to us for any number of reasons and when she's just miked and sitting in her chair in her house i couldn't believe it (laughs) that was definitely a gas again this this series uh had like so many big moments like that that um that really did come out of nowhere but also just how impactful they were for uh again a, a a story that you could have found out about by reading a newspaper article or, you know, something online. It, it was very well done. The pace was, you know, the pacing was great. The tension was great. I mean, as a storytelling example, it was a really great one. Mm -hmm. And it had, and it did have a sense of closure at the end of it that a lot of these stories don't necessarily have. Like they'll present this terrible story and then you, you don't, you don't feel satisfied by the end of it or you don't feel you don't feel like the the people have have reached i don't know have reached closure and this one definitely had that um right. which i was i was i was happy with it reminded me of making a murderer which i did not finish just because it was it was a little too long and i worried yeah. that and i knew from the beginning that there was no resolution yeah i like this closed off you know tied with a bow um at the end of its true crime you know, not the not the unsolved true crime. Me too. And I feel like this is a show that you could watch right now or in any sort of stressful time. And it would be, it's satisfying. And again, that seems like maybe a weird word to, to use to describe a show like this, a story like this. But it is satisfying because it does, I mean, it has several <laughs> satisfying kind of endings at several mm-hmm. points of, you know, he keeps... Dan Schneider keeps kind of reopening this story and turning it into a different story through all the things that he's trying to do. But each one of them does have a satisfying kind of wrap up. Um, Whereas, as you said, making a murderer, I did finish the whole thing and was just crushed and heartbroken and still can't even really think about, especially for me, the nephew who is still still in prison. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's still crushing there. Oh, yeah. That's a that that's a tougher sell for me. Yeah. Um, but this one, it had, I feel like almost every episode, or at least the final three, had these 
inspirational moments and mm-hmm. a, a ver- to varying degrees and like the woman who the woman who testified against the the murderer who yes. sort of risked her life to go on the stand and then used that as a way to you know sort of go into recovery and change and turn her life around with the help of of Dan and his family right and i even like the the reveal that you you think that Dan is alone and noticing this doctor running a pill mill. And when the DEA says, No, we've been on her for years. <laughs> we've <laughs> right. been doing this. It was it, it was comforting in a way to know that like certain aspects of the government are still sort of, you know, looking out for us. You know? It was no, it absolutely was. And then that all of that was part of this bigger picture thing, which is still in the news now mm-hmm. with um Purdue Pharmaceutical. Purdue. Uh, I this guy though just it's such a, I mean, it's a bunch of different stories, obviously. It's a murder mm-hmm. story, and, and it's the story of this guy at this tiny little pharmacy um, in this, you know, little kind of suburb of, of New Orleans, and um, he made, he turned himself into a private investigator. That was not his job in no. any way, <laughs> but I was, I was impressed by his investigative mm-hmm. skills at yeah. several points and his bravery and, and just being able to put himself in, in any kind of situation and, and to talk to people and get them to talk to him and trust him. And, um, that he just had these instincts about how to investigate and what to investigate and, recording all those phone calls, you know, and and just having all those instincts. He he really was amazing. But I mean, I think at its core, it's really just a very, he's kind of a a small town hero. It's like a a cliche, almost a stereotype, but he really is that thing that if we saw it in a movie, a fictional movie, we'd kind of dismiss it as being too cliche. Um, But because he is this guy who, you know, the only part and I mean this is always true of any hero story that there's there's some part where you're you know you you kind of can criticize him he was putting himself in danger at a time when his wife and daughter had already lost they needed him. their yeah. son yeah they needed him more than ever and but, but it, he clearly was driven this was his way of dealing with the grief the loss yeah. of his son in such a tragic way um and then in the middle, hello, have we haven't even mentioned in the middle of all this, Katrina happens. Oh, Katrina happened. Katrina happens and they lose their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all of these crazy, tragic things, any one of which a lot of people just wouldn't be able to come back from. Yeah. And he did and found these incredibly um, selfless ways of dealing with it that helped a ton of people. And, um, as I understand it, uh, when I did finally do the, the lookup of where are they now after I watched the whole show, he's semi-retired now. He still mm-hmm. occasionally works at that drugstore, um, wow. and has grandchildren. And, um, so, you know, seems to be living the good life that I yes. think anybody would agree he has earned. To go back to Katrina, there was there was a moment and and sure i mean he he obviously documented everything that's that's mm-hmm. that's part of the show but there's a clip of his wife on a staircase during katrina and their house is utterly destroyed and she's i don't remember that she's actually necessarily smiling but 
there's a calmness. I don't know. There's like a grace to it that you sort of think like, oh my God, these people have gone through so much and they're handling this so well because they've lived this before, you know? Exactly. And like what I, it's, it's, it's inspirational to see people, you know, going through times of adversity with, you know, their, their heads held high. Definitely. And I was finding myself maybe thinking like, oh, I feel like I might not have been this moved by the pharmacist if I weren't, you know, stuck inside the house in the middle of a quarantine, you know, but I was and I am. So that's what happened. You know, and as we're saying that, as as you're saying all that, it kind of makes me think, wow, this is something I maybe would recommend. I should be recommending to people right now specifically because, um, yeah, it's it's hard to I don't want to imagine people going through more than they went through because it's just it's too much um but they were graceful and um you know not only they didn't just survive anything they found a way to turn it into something that helped countless numbers of people and again is it, it was part of um what has led to kind of this reckoning for Purdue it's a great story of perseverance that I think we could all we could all use right now. Absolutely. And so many great characters. As you said, I also really um, loved Shane, the woman who testified and and uh, yes. had a chance to start her life over and move away from the circumstance she was in with her kids. And um, yeah, it was the people were just they are what you think of. Uh, when people say, you know, good citizens, good members of their community, um, yeah. they were really helping as many other people as they could. Mm-hmm. And to anyone who is like me and kind of worries about watching true crime that's going to leave them hanging, this is not one of those. This is not one of those documentaries. No, it's great. It's very kind of self-contained. And uh, if you want to read more about it, there, again, there are, you know, current things happening with with um, the bigger issue of, of the opioid crisis and the mm-hmm. epidemic and the company uh, responsible for so much of that. Um, but it, it is satisfying. It is a very satisfying four episode, which is great. Also, it's not a ton of time commitment if you you think you can't you know, making a murderer was, it did feel like just such a bigger commitment, not just a season of television. Right. Right. But emotionally it was Mm -hmm. uh, a big commitment. And as you said, open-ended and still ongoing and, and kind of heartbreaking uh, in a lot of ways, but this is, yeah, I think this is a good recommendation for right now. I do too. And I, and that was, that was going to be my final question to you, whether or not you think it is. And I think we've both sort of realized through talking it out. It's a great one. It is. It is. A, yeah. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that before we <laughs> yeah. we talked it out. But I think it I think two thumbs up, four thumbs up, four thumbs up. We yes. got four thumbs among us uh, between <laughs> us. Um, well, thank you so much, Kim, for talking to me during this during these trying times. Thank you. You can all watch The Pharmacist now on Netflix. You can buy The Way We All Became the Brady Bunch anywhere you get books. Don't want to tell you where to do it. Just like, you know, get it because it's good. And <laughs> thank, you. Uh, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later. Have a great week. Have a great month or two or three or four or five or six. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Bye, Kim. Bye, okay, I'll thank stop. You so Bye. Much. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> thank you.